live from my Brooklyn vacation home is Stay Busy with the Boy, Armand Sadler. to another edition of Stay Busy with the Boy, Armand Sadler. I am your host, head honcho, Armand Sadler, vegan chorizo poppy, three miles poppy, uh, your favorite Uber driver. I do it all. Now, normally, I would pass it off to my co-host, my co-producer, Nick Early, but his crazy work schedule has hindered him from being here with me. It's a little sad. This is my first time doing an episode without him, so I'm, I'm feeling a little lonely, but I'm not alone. I have some incredible, incredible gentlemen with me. You know, I feel like every time I bring a guest on or we talk about an employee of the month, I got to give a shout out to Twitter because Twitter connected me to them. And it's no different here. Twitter connected me with uh, one of these guys, an incredibly talented writer. And just through following him, I I saw, you know, that the podcast in his bio. So I checked it out, listened to it. And these guys bring the heat. They, They are opinionated. They are articulate. They, they, they are not afraid to keep it real and, and to be critical. And truly, that's more of what we need in, in, in this music culture these days. And they're doing a great job because they are among the top 50 Apple podcasts in the UK. I'm blessed to have here with me Nicholas Tyrell, Chopin, and Eden. These are the men of the Don't Alert the Stands podcast. Fellas, uh, blessed to have you here. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm I'm all good. Um, it's the it's coming back to podcast season soon. Um, and it's just weird. Like all three of us, like all three of us from the podcast, being in the same kind of podcast setting after a hiatus for so long. And it's just nice to see them again, but also to come on this show and talk to you as well. So thank you very much for having us. Yeah, man. Th- thank you for joining. Um, it's uh like I said, we got Nicholas Tyrell here. Super super. Super talented writer, um, cultural cultural speaker, cultural commentator. He was actually one of our former employees of the month. We got Chopin here, incredible publicist, incredible writer as well, always sharing his takes on the timeline, super detailed, opinionated. And you all heard from Eden. So yes, these are the three men of Don't Alert the Stands podcast. If you don't listen to the podcast already, I highly suggest you to tap in. Super opinionated, super intense conversations. But at the end of the day, they're just music, music lovers just like us on Stay Busy. And we're here to discuss music. That's what we love to do. Uh, so we got a fun episode planned for you guys. But before that, of course, we want to shout out our listeners tapping back in for season two, returning listeners, new listeners, last time listeners, whether you like uh, croissants or crumpets, trombones or trumpets, burritos or roti, and regular text smileys or emojis. Now, fellas, do any of these comparisons really stick out to you? Uh, literally, I think I, I looked at Nick as soon as I heard one. So I was just like, okay, so <laughs> I mean, this I'd is Nick's section. One right now, if I wasn't here, to be honest. <laughs> so let, Nick, do your thing, man. Um, roti. Roti, of yeah. course. Like, yeah. Jamaican yeah. out here, like Eden as well. Um, yeah. We actually used to have a routine where we'd go for roti um, with our wider group and mm-hmm. just catch up. But 
COVID, obviously, we're locked down in London um, and elsewhere, just outside of London as well. So can't have that tradition just yet. Yeah, I, 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 I specifically put Roti there because I see you tweeting about it all the time. I was like, yeah, that's that's, that's definitely going to get yeah. NT going. <laughs> yeah. Yes, once a week, man. Has to be done. <laughs> it's important. It's important. It's great stuff. Uh, mm. We got to give a shout out to our VP of everything, Kieran, as well, the backbone of this podcast, the man that you cannot see, but you can feel. Special love to Anchor, our distribution platform. If you do not know, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free to all of the streaming platforms. And you can get some sponsored ads regardless of your listenership. And lastly, Zoom, allowing y'all to see my beautiful black melanated hydrated face because it is busy Black Businesses Month and we are celebrating our blackness as we should every month and every day. Like blackness is not, it's not limited to February. With that, let's get into our chat. It has been a little over a year. Um, it, was, it was a year on Friday since uh, the beloved, the ri- fast rising star Pop Smoke passed uh, horrifically. Um, killed killed in uh, Los Angeles. It's, you know, since then, we got his his official debut album and Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. He's been scattered across a bunch of different features. And, you know, for, for the most part, people have been very, very respectful and, and acknowledging what he brought to, to the Brooklyn drill movement mm-hmm. and how he was influencing a lot of people. Uh, with you guys being so tapped into, you know, to, to drill, with that being super popular from where you're from, you know, what did Pop Smoke mean to you guys? Um, so... For me, I think Pop Smoke was someone who embraced the UK quite well. Um, he invited a lot of UK producers to work on a lot of his songs. And um, I've seen a few videos where he's talking to and um, engaging with UK rappers. Like I saw a conversation with him and Fredo, um, who's from the UK, if you haven't heard of him before. Mm-hmm. And they were just chopping it up. Like Fredo was asking, when's he coming to the UK to record? And um, Pop Smoke was giving him like loads of love and saying, oh, you're doing amazing things in the UK as well. So um, I think that he was definitely someone who saw what the UK was cooking up and he wanted to make it as authentic as possible. And I think mm-hmm. when it comes to um, borrowing from um, like a particular sound, like we know that drill has its origins in Chicago, but also the UK kind of ran with it and made it slightly different in the way that we produce it as well. And that's the type of um, drill that we heard in Pop Smokes. Well, that's the kind of music that influenced Pop Smoke, sorry. Um, And it was just nice to hear that appreciation. And it showed the difference between appreciation and appropriation, which was which was good to see. Um, And yeah, he made he made some good songs. I did enjoy his music. um, For me personally, I think just before he died, uh, a good friend of mine in the industry, like Shamira, did a profile for him on Fader. Um, then uh, Pop Smokes Rise is a very New York rise, I believe it's called. So I was very invested in like what he was doing. And he'd just come back from the UK working with like Axel and stuff like that. So he was really this decade, I, I kind of said it, I think I said it on the podcast, um, Don't Like the Stands, that he's going to be the cultural barrier between the two um, places like New York is the first place you touch. If you fly in a certain route from London, that's why they, or you guys always understand us in terms of what we create, produce, and some people who've been, who've broken or are breaking into the American scene um, over time. So I feel like with pop, he was just making the collaboration seem normal, commonplace, like the modern iteration of the UK-US kind of uh, duo collaboration. It just felt like nothing to him. He loved our culture and he he did like university tours 
um, which a lot of artists don't tend to do when they come over here. Like some do, but some don't. Um, and he was in Leicester, he was like in Nottingham, he was in Leeds, he did like a lot of different things. And I think he really embraced and loved the UK, like how much we embrace US acts. Like with us, it's nothing. Like we, yeah. as soon as a US act kind of debuts, we're all over them or we're interested or a certain subsector of us are interested. But with the UK, even when Giggs was on Drake's album, he got clowned and we all saw that kind of the UK loved it and the US kind of clowning him. So with pop, I think he made it like, like the reversal of, I love the UK and they've got something here, which we've had musically for decades. Um, just yeah. that we know how to create our own kind of brand of what's, what's popular. So I love pop. He was very promising. I would have loved to have seen what him and 50 Cent would have done together. Um, musically that is. And yeah, and I know he's got a film coming out this year so that'll be interesting to see him in the acting world as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And how about you, Um, I think for me, I feel he, um, well, in some ways still is, but I think he could have been much more of a bridge between the UK and US. And unfortunately that was never allowed to come to fruition due to obviously his, of him being murdered. But, um, over time, listening to him over the last year, because I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I was the biggest fan of him before um, he, he died, but obviously got into him afterwards. And I work with a drill artist at work, and I'm very familiar with the drill singing over here and producers we have over here. It kind of does just make me kind of sad, because now after listening to him and digesting him, I realise what... Well, he had like a really, really cool vibe and a really cool approach to drill, because I really like that... Not to put down the ones we have over here, but I kind of like that he kind of brought that kind of New York luxurious, braggadocious energy about, you know, materialistic things and women over that kind of production rather than as, you know, in the UK, it's, you know, a lot of violence and threats and all so, You know, we love everybody, but I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, so I, I liked that um, juxtaposition. And I like Nick said that in, as Drake, you know, we made fun of him. And even me, like I... I just, just didn't care for Drake's attempts at drill. Pops definitely did feel like much more authentic and clearly like he was a student of the producers that we have over here and the artists that we have over here. And I enjoyed his album, the album that came out last year. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a really, really good project. Some great production on there. And now that we have drill, like not even just blowing up over in the UK now, we have like, you know, there's a Ghanaian drill scene now. There's an Australian drill scene now. We're now in a in what I feel is like the golden age of drill, or we're approaching the golden age of drill, and the US kind of lost its anchor, unfortunately. I'm sure there'll be others that'll come out in his wake, but he really could have been that guy to connect the dots between what is happening over here and starting to happen in other parts of the world. That was really rambled. I hope that made sense. I made perfect sense. I I I think his last out, his official debut album, showed the range that he had. You know, him doing those love type records, sampling popular songs such as um, uh, like the the Fifty Cent track and and the Mario track he sampled, and then you know still doing his drill stuff, and then the stuff with Quavo, and then the West Coast stuff. Like he was he he was truly just going to be a superstar, and it it was stolen from us, and it was stolen from him, which. You know, it sucks to think about all the time, but I, I love how positive everyone is, is being about him and keeping his memory alive. And I, I, I can't wait to hear more. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to come with some more posthumous stuff. And 
Um, you know, some people feel weird about posthumous releases, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's got plenty of stuff on, on a hard drive to sit in there waiting to come out. So I, I can't wait to hear it and to celebrate his memory. So one more time, rest in peace to Pop Smoke. Um, this past week, we got two tiny desks. We got Rick Ross, which had the timeline going crazy because of his backup singers. And then 2 Chains, who had a luxurious champagne pedicure. Um, I want to ask you, uh, Nicholas Tyrell, how, how'd you feel about both of those Tiny Desk performances? You, you were being very vocal about the Rick Ross one on the timeline. Um, I love 2 Chains. Like, I feel like if I was a musician, he would embody like my whole personality, like the Camelot tea references, the luxury, just kind of like how he gives back to the community actually in really distinct ways, like through album rollouts and all of that. I think he's, I love him. So I loved the parts of that performance that I've seen. I've still got to watch it in full, but what I saw, Two Chains is Two Chains. Like he had a great last album. He had a great album before that. And I think I love his reincarnation as a different artist from, from his prior kind of branding as well. It just kind of proves that not every mold works for his specific season. And I love where he's at now. And I think he will be remembered with, especially what he's doing with his imprint now and stuff like that. So I love the performance um, from what I saw. I need to go watch it all, but yeah, two chains is two chains, man. I love him. Um, Rick Ross. Now I love Rick Ross musically. Um, mm -hmm. and I think he's definitely, well, you know, some, some music, cause we know the lyrical debacle like a couple of years ago and stuff like that. So we can critique and all of that. You know, we do that on Dota Like The Stand's very nuanced, but yes. I like where he, the luxury rap. I think you mentioned it with Pop Smoke. I think Rick Ross is the total embodiment of the modern iteration of that. So I love his musicality. I love his last album. I love how, I just love his cadence. When he's on a track, you know, you got to listen, whether you're in the car, whether you're not listening, you got to listen. And I think that had a huge potential to be tapped into in the live environment. I think he can perform live. I've watched videos before where he has. Um, it was just poor production personally. And that is really shocking for the platform that it is. NPR usually is super intentional. You know, I've seen nothing but at least some kind of standard performance on there you know whereas colors i think you know and i've got a friend at colors but like colors sometimes can be hit and miss you know with with what they mm. do with some of their stuff and vivo is still getting started with their their kind of iteration of things but with that npr they definitely if you were to ask me which is the highest of quality and caliber and musicality i would you know 100 say them top of my list and to see that, I was shocked because as Chopin rightly pointed out on our account, you know, Elijah, Elijah Blake is a great, you know, multi-instrumentalist, like vocalist. He's definitely a musician at heart um, and can sing, you know, albums, songs for decades. He's a songwriter, you know, there's talent. Not decades. I was in the in the last decade. In the last decade. Let's say that. <laughs> I'd done. say about 11, 12 years, like writing and stuff like that. Maybe fact check that for me. But yeah, at least over a decade to a decade in the game, writing for some right. of the greats, you know, some of our greatest pop and R&B stars. Um, and to hear that, I was like, that can't, you know, first of all, I'm like, you know, light skin, it could be anyone. Let me just double check because I know that's his haircut, but the hair color, I was like, let's get the timelines right. So I went to Instagram and then I saw 
couple months ago or weeks ago he had the pink hair so I was like oh shit like and then he wasn't promoting it at first so I was like my guy like you know you embarrassed yourself and then obviously he said that he just got off a flight and if his story is to be believed they had one rehearsal just Mm -hmm. before and then went into it so it was it was shambolic to be honest with you shambolic I mean rehearsal no it still wouldn't have worked but it's shambolic and the thing is for me there's so many different levels that it doesn't work on number one the power isn't there in his voice number two um the meshing with rick ross number three no one does that drake verse like you can't do that and chrisette like no one does that song as a whole like backing vocalist her like she needed to be there in some way shape or form regardless and then the drake you know whether he can sing live or not, at least just just the power of his voice needed to be there to match and the power was not there to match. And then I saw follow-up clips, you know, which made me watch the whole thing, which saw him, you know, tapping into other Rick Ross songs that he did not need to be added vocals to. I was like, brother, like Rick Ross has got this on his own. So to be honest, it's a, it's a three out of a 10 for me. And that, you know, Rick Ross's delivery at least gives you a five on any standard track. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was shambolic, a hot mess. Maybe not yeah. even hot, just a mess. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you see Rick Ross' tiny desk and you get excited. Like it's I was gassed. I was like, okay, let's have a little concert, you know? Yeah, yeah. You wow. get excited for whatever Ross is going to do because you know what he's going to bring. And then you get there and you hear singing ad libs on Blowing Money Fast. It's like, that doesn't belong there. Or like, you know, uh, the, when he tried to sing on Tears of Joy, it was like... Yeah. Nah, we we, we we didn't need this. We didn't need this. Like, and the thing know, is, the thing yeah. is, Armand, we're in a pandemic. Like, you had time to get it right. Like, you weren't mm-hmm. on a tour. You weren't doing. Maybe you were, you know, going to some illegal parties or some legal parties wherever he was. But damn, like Elijah, what are you doing? Like, come on, bro. Like, and the other one, the other brother that was behind him. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know his get name. Him Sorry to disrespect, like not even to name. No, I believe he actually is. A, I believe he's just an incestuous singer, but we also got to give him some smoke too because he. Yeah, wasn't it just him. wasn't working. It wasn't. Um, working he really tried. He really tried to give, like you know, and I'm I'm a gospel head. He really tried to like give these Andre Crouch, Daryl Coley vibes, and it's like no, <laughs> no. But back to Nick's point, and I'm glad you said this, Nicholas, because I love Rick Ross too a big part of my early university life. Um, and I actually do think that his the production of his music and the musicality of his music isn't discussed enough. Like he is obviously a great MC and I love the tone of his voice and cadence and everything. But I think like his production, more, and I only realized this recently, it does lend itself very well. Like it's very cinematic, you use a lot mm-hmm. of strings, a lot of 70s samples, which I love. So I love his production. So I too was also, because um, I didn't know you did it this tool, I saw the, the jokes, I didn't even know. And then I watched it, and I also had an issue with the actual arrangement, but mm-hmm. I'll get to that. Actually, I'll start with this, fire musical director, first of all, <laughs> period. And then when I heard the, you know, the sanctified ad-libs and everything, I was just like, also just laughing. And then when I realized like, wait, is that my guy, Elijah Blake? Cause when he first came out, so he used to, he used to, he used to sound to Rock Nation, I don't know, eight years ago or something. Um, he dropped a few EPs, which I loved. I loved, 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 loved. And this was off the back of him, Ryan Climax. It was off the back of him, Ryan and Keisha Cole, um, Jennifer Lopez and some other people. Um, so 
and I'm very, very aware of the fact that this, this Negro can sing. He's a great, 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 great singer. But I just feel like, one, he didn't need to be there anyway, because this just mm-hmm. wasn't the moment. And secondly, I felt like the instrumentation just overpowered his voice, because where he's strong in terms of, uh, I guess, runs and riffs, <laughs> he doesn't really have, you know, a strong belting voice. And that's not, he's just not that kind of singer. And yeah, the, the, the instrumentation just overpowered him. And then he just tries to be churchy at times. It's like, this isn't, this isn't the vibe. This, this isn't the one. But it was good because the next day, after I had a nice little reminder of all his, his songs. And I had to share some of those because even though we can all laugh at him and deservedly so, but I had to just share because he should have um, been a bigger star. Um, than he ended up being, and he had a lot, of, a lot of great material. And he actually is what he actually is my slide deck choice. We'll get to that later, of course. But um, <laughs> so yeah, that was my thoughts. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was quite, quite the experience. Um, so I'm, 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 I wasn't too familiar with his work to be honest. So I am looking forward to hearing the, the track that you picked and checking him out. Um, in general, because, you know, everyone has an off day. So, so we'll just, we'll just chalk this up to an off day and them just not having the chemistry that they needed. Um, moving on, uh, it was announced this week, we didn't get an official date, but Migos, as they've been saying for the last couple of years, Culture 3 is set to release soon. Uh, for me, as, as a Migos fan, um, I am a little bit worried about, about this upcoming release, I will say. Um, as we remember, the first culture was incredible. It like Migos were on top of the world with Bad and Bougie and T-shirt and Call Casting and Kelly Price or Travis Scott. And then, you know, from there, Offset went on a crazy feature run and Migos was feeling themselves. And then Culture 2 came and they gave us like a 25 song album. And that there was some good stuff on there, but you had to sift through a lot of cringeworthy bad songs to get there. And it was like, ah, like you guys are really feeling yourselves. You tried to go for the go for the big thing and you just kind of didn't nail it. Like I, we kind of hoped that you focused more on musicality than just loading up an album and trying to get all the streams and stuff. And then since then, you know, they gave us th- their three solo albums. Quavo's was not good. Takeoff's was cool, but Takeoff doesn't really have the, Takeoff isn't like present enough as just himself. Like he, he put out a good album, but he, he, he didn't really push it. And then Offset's album came on the heels of his drama with Cardi B, where they they apparently split up, and his was his was okay too. I would say Offset had, had the best solo album, but it definitely wasn't like great. And you know, beyond then, like Migos has kind of put out a couple singles here and there, a couple features, but they've definitely lost some steam. So with Culture Three, I'm I'm hoping that they take things in a different direction. I would like to see them work with some different producers, and they have worked with you know a bunch of producers previously, Pharrell. Kanye West, of course, a lot of producers down in Atlanta, but, you know, I'm, I'm also worried because they're continuing the, this culture series. It's, it's like they're trying to continue the, the, the momentum that came from the first one. And like we've seen in the past, like continuing series can be very dangerous. Like Lil Wayne probably should have stopped the Carter after the Carter three, but he gave mm-hmm. us the Carter four and the Carter five, and they kind of decreased in quality. And a lot of artists get caught up in, you know, these, these volumes and, and these sequences. And they kind of decrease in quality. So I want to ask uh, you, Eden, how, how, how you feeling about uh, Migos announcing Culture 3 and just everything that they've given us the last few years? I'm probably the worst person to ask about Migos, to be honest, because I don't really pay attention to their music. But to be honest, in terms of what to expect, I'm feeling and hoping that they actually consider trying Drill 
I want to see them try something completely different um, just because their sound has always sound exactly the same to me. Like they, for me, when a new Migos song is released, I'm, released, I'm just like, okay, well, I've heard this before. It's got the same cadence, same type of flow. Um, and it's just not my type of music personally, but I'm all for artists experimenting. And if they do come back with something completely off field, I think it would work more in their favor than just doing the same thing again. Because like you said, you are a massive fan of Migos, but at the same time, you're not really anticipating this new project. Um, and I think individually, as artists, they don't really know who they are. Um, they're still trying to figure out who they are. And as a group- There's nothing to figure I, out individually, sorry. Pardon me? There's nothing to figure out individually. Yeah, but in terms of um, coming together as a group, they need to figure out their strengths and their strengths don't show in their individual projects. So I do think they need to do a bit more work in figuring out their sound individually and together. Um, otherwise, we're just going to get the same thing over and over again. And we've moved past that um, Versace um, <clears throat> T-shirt type of flow that they keep doing in every single song and ad libs crazy and all that type of stuff. So I probably won't listen to it, keeping it 100, but I know I the best. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that's a big thing in this era is like people are even like they're they're really quick to just move past you or, or to write you off. Like whether you've put out music or put out music that they didn't want to hear, like people are always looking for a reason to kind of count you out and move on to something else. So th yeah. this is gonna, this is going to be a big big release for Migos, and you know if, if 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 they don't nail it, at least they had a huge 2016 2017, and that can never be taken away from them. The, the mixtapes that everyone loves can't be taken away from them. But yeah, you know, this this could be a sign of a a a, a decline, and maybe they need to. Get it's actually a make or break album for them, I think. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I think this album I don't care for them by the way never have I've been a fan their songs slap when you're drunk in the club when you're knee bridge and I actually saw them <laughs> live at a festival two years ago and even though I think I don't I can say I don't care for them I can see that I can see the appeal I can see right. especially when that kind of us like see them at a festival it was a vibe even I'm not a fan I enjoyed myself mm. um but yeah I do I think actually now that you bring bring up like it definitely is like a this is the writings on the wall this is like a sign of the times like this is like a make or break time for them because none of their projects so individually did well there was no Beyonce there was no Justin Timberlake there was no Michael here I think everyone thought that was gonna be Quavo but that <laughs> didn't happen and I remember I actually did hear his album I, I was forced to because they played it in my office and I just said turn that racket off just turn off. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I so it actually will be interesting. So it could go either way. It could either be like it was kind of confirm what we already know, or they actually might come back and surprise us and it will tr show that they truly do have some massive pedigree in our culture and in music and in hip hop at large that shows that hey, don't have them out yet, but maybe just individually they don't work. Like I'm trying to think of a group that, that just doesn't work. A solo wise, so I can't think of one right now, but if that might be. Mm, well. <laughs> oh, man. To be honest, I think with Migos, like, um, wasn't it announced this week Quavo is alongside Robert De Niro in a film? You know, mm. we've got you know Offset doing his own thing musically now as well, trying to experiment. And I actually think, you know, uh, you know, I saw the clout thing, I saw the vision, and the vision. You love that song. I was inspired song. by obviously Janet and Buster. We all know that, and I think he's got some dance moves, and he he can do the choreography as well. I actually yeah. think with the right people, he could be his own solo star. Like yes. he could be. 
maybe mid-level Atlanta success and beyond like in the south like something like that but I definitely mm. see it with um out of the three of them I think Offset has definitely got it and if Quavo does the movie thing and brand deals and all that kind of stuff with Sweetie and stuff I think you know do your thing I know he's playing a main character in that film as well um right. which is which is interesting to kind of see so um and it's got a all-star cast so I'm intrigued to see him in that and then see what Offset can do next project but I think as a group as you kind of said with the start of this news item that you know series have to be taken into consideration and when you when a series I think Culture 2 would have been great great sequel you know we had motorsport moment all of that Mm -hmm. collaboration Mm -hmm. with 21 and all of that so I think he did a they did a great thing for Atlanta there with those two and they'll be remembered. They have sons right now, you know, Gunner's inspired, you know, you can, you can name all the big kind of stars now and they're inspired by, you know, Migos to a larger degree, 21. Oh yeah. Or young young thug. Yeah. One of the three, they were one of those three moments in Atlanta, but I definitely think with the brand culture, they need to move on. They are all bigger than culture at this point and they can, they can expand to, or try to expand in whatever realm they can. But I definitely see it for Offset. The other two musically, maybe take off in the production and lyrical arena, but not as a main artist, but we'll see. That's interesting you say that to me because like you, I'm sure you all remember that Quavo was definitely being pegged as the breakout star some years back. Yeah. So, Nicholas, why do you... Quavo and Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah, and think about it, Quavo, like, obviously Migos were getting featured, but Quavo was doing bare features on his own outside of that yeah. point. Like yeah, 2017, 2018, he was doing loads of features. Mm-hmm. And obviously his album was, like I said, garbage. Um, so, Nick, I want to actually ask you, why, why do you still see it for, for Offset and why has your opinion of Quavo changed as a solo. My entity. opinion has never changed. I've always preferred Offset. Every the, the mainstream like the pretty face, which they always do, and sometimes they do it for better, and sometimes they do it for worse. And I think with Quavo, you know, he's great for Brad. He kind of gives me the ASAP Rocky effect. He's great in fashion, great doing that kind of thing. I can see it for him there. But I, musically, I think Offset has the energy. Out of the three of them, he has the stage presence. Whenever he's on stage, he is the most prominent member, um, even though they try and arrange round to make it um, Quavo. But I've always personally thought Offset had the mix of everything in terms of skill set, um, with out of the three, and delivery in terms of energy on stage um, and all, all of that. And then he musically kind of, out of three showed me with the clout single obviously we know cardi helped with that but just the performance and staging that really won me over for the BET awards i was like yeah i see it for him if and he was a dancer as you know a backup dancer for the likes of whitney houston when he was a child so if he continues to hone in on that get a jack all night in the mix um we could we could see we could see or a sean bankhead yeah those two um there's there's loads there's loads he could tap into so i think he, he's, he's got the passion for it. And I saw him on stage, you know, you can see it. Like, it's not forced. It looks like he likes that. So yeah, just yeah. continue to face into it. Like, develop your artistry around the dancing and, like, what music can accompany that. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. 100% agree. I, I always thought Offset had both the rapping ability, the star power, and, mm. and like you said, he brings the dancing. So, um, you know... We'll we'll see we'll see I'm 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 cautiously optimistic as as a Migos fan but we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, moving on, we don't have a date yet for this this the culture. 
Coach there was no there was no official date. It was it was just a complex news article. Like Quavo yeah. said, it's coming soon. But they they've been saying that for the last couple of years. Yeah, now. they have. So, so yeah. we'll see when it actually when it actually comes. Um, moving forward, we got Childish Gambino, also known as Donald Glover. Um, it was announced this week that he will be leaving FX to start up a content deal with Amazon. Yeah. Uh, with him, he brings his brother Stephen Glover. Apparently, Malia Obama is also joining his writing staff. This is a multi-year, eight-figure deal. Uh, he will also get his own content channel on Prime Video. And this comes days after he announced that he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be remaking Mr. and Mrs. Smith, set to release in 2022. Now, everyone was concerned that this meant that, that there would be no more seasons of Atlanta, but don't worry. There's two, two more seasons of Atlanta coming on FX, so you guys will not be missing out on that show. I actually just recently started it myself, and I really enjoy it, so I'm glad to hear that. But very excited for Childish. I mean, he, he's been making so many crazy moves uh, the, the last few years. I actually finally got to see him perform live when I went to Broccoli City Festival in uh, April of 2019. He was he, he, he was the headliner, and he, he's real, real good, man. Like <laughs> he, He's amazing, really, right? Yeah, yeah. You really can't sleep on Childish. So I, I think just seeing the moves he's making as, as an actor, seeing what, what he's doing musically, like I can't wait to see uh, what he brings to Amazon and and how, and how Amazon supports all, all of his endeavors because he's constantly doing different things and working outside the box. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, just a couple quick hits. Tony Braxton tied Alicia Keys' record for most number ones on adult radio, uh, adult R&B airplay. Uh, claps to her. That's, that's incredible. Um, respecting Ed- legends. Respecting legends. Hashtag respecting legends. <laughs> um, the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, one of the greatest albums of all time, officially went diamond this past week. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta salute that. That is, this mm. not, not not a lot of albums going diamond. It's it it, it doesn't happen. And and we've seen the, the the longevity of that album, the influence of that album. So many different artists are trying to mm-hmm. either recreate that album or or be Lauryn Hill. Um, so we, 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 we got to pay our dues and give credit where it's due. So shout out to, to Lauren Hill for that. Now let's get into some new music. This, this past weekend, we got the remix to the 2020 summer bop Go Crazy by Young Thug and Chris Brown. This remix is featuring Lil Durk, Future, and Mulatto. Uh, so, uh, Chopin, I want to ask first if, if you got a chance to hear it. Um, and if you did, what, what, what were your thoughts on it? I didn't um, get chance. I don't want to hear the song. Um, <laughs> I, I do like the original song. I do like the song. And I'm actually, I've got to give it to Chris. Like this song has had a lot more longevity than people give it credit for. It has really yeah. gone the distance. I'm actually surprised it's still a thing. Um, but who do you say was Lil Durk and who? Who's the other person you said? Lil Durk, Future, and Mulatto. Oh, no, don't care about any of those people when we're listening to that. <laughs> uh, either Eden or, or, or NT, did you get a chance to hear it? Um, I heard a snippet on Instagram for sure. Um, do you know what? Like with me and that song, you know, when you've heard something so many times, it's like, oh shit, like I'm kind of over it. I was like, why did the remix come now? Like why, why so long? But I get it. I guess they're trying to extend what's so great about it already or what's hit or resonated with the audiences. From the remix, you know, Little Dirk streaming Juggernaut right now. I know with the women in rap scene, uh, Mulatto's getting a lot of features um, mm-hmm. as of now building her name. So RCA doing a great job with her. 
Um, I know she's set to change her name too, so we'll wait to see on that. And then <laughs> with Future, Future, Future's Future, man. Future's Future. I loved his early mixtape series. I think now it's sounding a bit redundant, but, mm. you know, um, I guess if he wants to up the streams, you know, Little Dirk and maybe Future's the way to go. So, you know, hopefully it does what he wants it to do. So, you know, I think the song, as Shope just said, has had a life of its own, you know, it, especially during a pandemic, it's had a life of its own. So it's crazy yeah. to kind of see this remix come now as well. We'll see, maybe there'll be a challenge, you know, on, on TikTok, <laughs> our favorite app TikTok right now. So yeah, that is interesting to kind of see what he does to try and continue the extension of this song. Yeah, I'm personally a bit, a bit surprised that it's been going on for so long because the clubs aren't open. So I'm just figuring That's out because this is a, oh, they are somewhere. This, <laughs> this is this is a club type of song, and I'm just like, how is it surviving so long and with a remix? Because when it comes to Chris Brown, he releases songs like this, like you know when he had his whole um, situation with Kid Ink and their relationship for quite a long time. Every single time you'd release a new song, you just hear it nonstop in the clubs. And this is a song that I could just hear being played over and over again, but I don't know how he's done it. Future on this song is weird, is what I'm gonna say. I don't know why Future's there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I really do love the original as well. Like, it, it's crazy that it was so successful throughout the pandemic with limited clubs being open. You know, Atlanta, Florida, and some some southern states. Um, I, I was also skeptical. I was like, really, you guys are doing a remix this late? Like, it's 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 slowly creeping up on like. I think the 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 Slime and B album released in like May, so it's it's, it's, not, it's been not, almost a year. Yeah, like it's very close to to a year since you know uh, Thug and Chris Brown's collab album drops. I'm like, wow, like they're really yeah. trying to push it. And then and then I saw the names. I was like, okay, Dirk is super hot right now. Like everyone is calling Dirk to get on something. Future is future. People go crazy just seeing his name. I thought it was smart for them to to get a a, a woman on here in Mulatto, and she's she's pretty popular among the people right now. Um, and upon hearing the song, I was like, okay, it was actually dope. Like Dirk, Dirk had a great verse. Future's verse was cool. Mulatto did her thing. So I was like, okay, like this isn't a remix that I hate. I don't know if I needed it, but I, I, I don't hate it either. And it's definitely going to extend the song's life and get it more radio play and all that. And that's ultimately what they, what they were going for. So, uh, you know, so salute on, uh, on, uh, on a good strategy. Um, one artist who I think we all can agree we really enjoy, uh, Brett Fiaz, uh this past week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't what? know if we can all agree on that one. Uh-oh. Oh, I love Brent Fires, but one of us not so much. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not there. Sorry, he's, he's not, a Khalid. He's a he's a Khalid fan for some reason. Anyways, wait, 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 what's what, what, what's wrong with Khalid? I mean, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. To talk about the. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, nah, Brent Fires well, isn't for me, man. Not for me. And he just put out a song with your name, Eden. Like that's crazy. He shouldn't have done that. He, he did he this really to you. Have done... I didn't ask him to do that. Like any other name would have been fine. He could have called it the Garden. Like it didn't have to be my name. It's fine. I mean, I want to hear this opinion because I, I've been having a lot of conversations about Brent lately, and there are people who feel like he's not the strongest singer, or or uh, this, that, and the third. So, what, 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 what's your particular like distaste, for lack of a better word, with Brent? Um, I think for me, I just am very bored by his music. That's the best way I can put it. Like, I don't think he is a bad singer. I don't think he's a bad artist. But for me, I need more. Like, I do like some songs. I like Around Me. I, like, that's the Brent Fire song that I play continuously. 
Um, but other than that, I'm just like, I, I don't understand what the hype is. Like, sometimes I've tried, like, I've tried so many times to just sit there and listen to his album. And every single time, like, when it gets Which to the last one, I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. This, this album's still playing. Like, I completely forget I'm listening to the album. So, um, which one? Uh, which, which one was the most recent one? Was it F the World? Was, uh, yeah, F the World. Yes. Yeah, that went it. Um, yeah, nah. <laughs> nah. I didn't like um, Lost either. Lost but was... to be honest, I understand why people like him. I can hear the Aaliyah influences on a well, Shop has commented on the Aaliyah influences in a lot of his music. Um, and not you can tell that he's select songs, not all of yeah. just select songs. And you can you can hear he's a real student of R and B as well. So like I appreciate the fact that he is so invested and actually the work he's doing to um, promote indiv- independent artists and talking yes. about revenue streams and kind of how he makes his money and challenging the industry and all of these different types of things. I think that is great. But when it comes to the actual music, I'm just like, nah, man, not for me. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I respect that. The, the, that was well articulated. Like, cause some people would just yeah. be like, oh, he, he he's trash and then just stop there. And it's like, well, I, I want to have a conversation. Like, I want to know why you think he's trash. And yeah. a, lot of people don't, a lot of people would just stop there. Like, cause they don't really have a reason. They just, some people mm-hmm. just hate to hate, but you, you you put that very well, so that that's cool. Um, I've had but... to defend myself on season, so you know you have to get to a point <laughs> where you have to explain it. Of course, of course, and few few podcasts explain it better than Don't Alert the Stands. Um, but we, we we got a track by the name of Eden. Uh, this is from the Black History Always Music for the Moment Volume Two. The track was produced by Los Hendricks and mixed by Jeff Jackson. As you all heard, he was on our on uh, episode three, I believe, this past season, but he, he came through and talked about uh, working with Bren and just the experience of mixing. I, I, I thought the track was really cool. We, we also didn't get to get to the three Dropbox traps tracks that uh, Brent put out last week, Price of Fame, Circles featuring Purr, and Paper Soldier featuring Junie. Um, I, I, I enjoyed them all. Like this, it's, it's really, yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I thought it was really cool that, that he kind of created that like situation where rather than you know streaming has made things easy you just open spotify you click it but like with this i had to download it from dropbox and then drop it into to my my apple library and that's the only way i can really listen to these songs and it, it just reminded me of 2008 when we would use limewire or kaza or you know google like this album download link and he was just kind of just restoring like a different feeling of having to search uh for for your music so I thought that was really cool. Um, how, how, how'd you guys who do like print feel about the tracks? <laughs> um, so I, there was one I didn't really care for. Um, that was Circles. I didn't really care for that one. But I really did like Price of Fame. I really liked the lyrics in that song. And I liked Paper Soldier. Because I think for me, what I like about him is that even though all of his music to an extent kind of sits under a lo-fi kind of vibe, he kind of has songs where like they're more instrument based and then also which are just much more traditionally produced. Mm-hmm. And I like the how like he has this really somber darkness to some of his songs. I personally like that a lot. And um I thought that was just like a great continuation of that, especially from the perspective of the ills of the industrial price of fame. Um I like it and I'm I'm ready for the next for the next project. Um like I said, I enjoyed Fuck the World, I enjoyed Lost. Um so the sun was one of my favorite albums of 2017. Um, I just think he's great. This is we like Brent Fires over here. I do anyway. <laughs> word, word, word. 
good. Yeah. So I'm he's he, he he's been dropping a lot so far in 2021. You know, we got gravity with Tyler the Creator. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he had more coming. I, I and he's working on his next album as far as I understand. So um I, I can't I can't wait for that. And like, you know, uh Fuck the World was one of my favorite projects of 2020. That's that's top five for me. So for f- following that up is going to be it's it's gonna be a pretty tall task, but it looks like he's he's up for it. So I can't wait to hear it. Um, just some quick hits before we get into our next segment. Uh, Dawn, Dawn uh, Richard, if, if you don't know her, she was on Making the Band 3. She was a part of Danity Kane, DK3, Diddy Dirty Money. But she's been doing her thing as, as an independent uh, for the for the last several years. As a, as a Chopin uh, talked about on Twitter, I, I saw him uh, put out you know a really dope paragraph just talking about everything that, that she's doing. Um, and it was, it's cool to see her get that love because she was among one of the more talented people in Danny Kane speaking personally. Um, and, you know, I, I was definitely upset seeing the, the group break up, but, you know, it's been interesting to see uh, the, the, uh, the different people's trajectories and Dawn's just kind of uh, kept the foot on and we saw her pop up in um, Insecure as well. Um, so she recently dropped the um, Bussifane. Bussifane. Bust it for me. Okay, I was, I was yeah. wondering how, how, how she was trying to pronounce that. Um, but yeah, a really dope visual. And like, you know, she shows off her ability to dance, her ability to perform, and and her vocals are strong too. So I'll definitely suggest you all check that out. Uh, Kelly Rowland put out um, an EP by the name of K. Uh, we got CJ. If, if you all don't know who CJ is, he's the one with the super popular song right now, Whoopty. He put out an EP by the name of Loyalty Over Royalty. We got a new Russ single called Misunderstood, a new K Trinata single, Caution. Uh, we got a Tiny featuring Miguel Sunbathe. Koi Ray put out the No More Parties remix featuring Lil Durk. And we got Times by S.G. Lewis. So it was a very, very packed new music weekend. Um, as, as you all see, we've got a bunch of opinions, so we're not going to give opinions on all these, but highly suggest you all to check out um, all, all of that new music. Um, Especially that- Dawn's Bust It For Me. Yes. <laughs> I played that like a thousand and five times in the last three days. <laughs> so yes, to all of you wonderful people out there since this podcast, please, please, please listen to Bust It For Me. And also go back and check the catalog. Because like I said on my tweet, the catalog is stacked. Yeah. And I think that's why I had to just tweet that because when I watched the video, and I wasn't surprised that it was great because like I've been I've been following her since 2005 all through every iteration of her career, Danny Kane, Dirty Money, her solo career. And I just still kind of think that in the gen- in the general, uh, I guess, psyche or social media bubble, she's still just doing from Danny Kane. And like, mm. it just really upsets me because like she's, if you really actually listen to her solo music in these last 11 years, it's amazing. It is amazing. Like I can confidently say that no one is doing it like her when it comes to the production of her visuals, the production of her songs, the vocal ability. I've seen her as a performer and then she's an independent artist and she's just delivering a product that is steps ahead of those who have a major label budget. But she's still seen as just doing from Danny Kane, which is not a bad thing because they were a great group. Could have been Absolutely. could have been bit bigger than it was, but you know, did he? Um, <laughs> but Dawn has been, yeah, especially being a black woman doing like electronic music and house music and merging that with all these different sounds. She's like out of this world, and every project was like, wow, literally every project, like wow, she manages to just step it up. Yeah. So I am absolutely excited for her new album, Second Line, coming out at the end of April. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We, we don't give Dawn her flowers because she's, she's deserving of them. So normally Nick would be handling this segment, but as we've said multiple times, he's not here, but it's okay because I'm here and I got me some tea as well. As you all know, throughout this month, uh, our half and half segment has been sponsored by Healthy by Zanya. Uh, it is a, a tea brand that is catered towards your Zodiac sign. She comes up with all the special recipes, natural, organic, healthy stuff that is catered to you and the Cancer or the Gemini or the Scorpio within. I- I'm a Cancer. Cancers are ruled by the third eye chakra. Uh, some parts of the body that are governed by Cancer includes breast, stomach, uterus, ovaries, and the pituitary gland. And the traditional okay. Cancer blend by Zanya is made with orange peels, cinnamon, and red clover. And it is pretty good. Um, but this is a special <laughs> half and half segment. So we don't have an you article feel that. for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, I tried. I tried. Especially because you're here. We had to do it right for you. But um, this is a special half and half segment because we don't have an article for you. We have the brand creator and owner herself, Zanya. Zanya, what's up? How are you? Hello. I'm super happy to be here. Super duper grateful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I mean. Looking forward you, to talking about um, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I think the best place to start is just tell us, you know, about your personal relationship with with astrology. Um, tell us you, your sign and kind of just ha- how you how you observe all that, because, you know, there's a lot of this is like those daily astrology tweets. And then there's people who think that it's fake and all that. So tell us your personal experiences with with astrology. I don't have a sign. I'm all signs. No, I'm just <laughs> um, well, so let's make this brief. Um, So when I was about 13, or like 11, between 11 to to 13 years old, but it was before I got into high school, my mom actually gave me a book on astrology. And she was kind of just like, figure it out, like, like, learn as much as you can about yourself um, through this um, guide, this tool. And um, I started to recognize a lot of similarities and and patterns in people that I was coming across and things that I was experiencing based off of my sun sign. So I ended up like just using it as like kind of a roadmap um, for my connections with people. Um, and then I started to look more and more into it. Um, my partner at the time, um, he and I would always like kind of share new information and whatnot. And then I started to realize like the actual history of astrology, um, Indians bringing it up um, because of the season um, that people were born in and using the foods that were like to be cultivated and harvest during that time to supplement the person's body um (laughs) and also I gave up coffee that's how I was like I was addicted to drinking coffee I was teaching first grade students in Harlem and I could not make it in that building without Starbucks I just was not going to do it at 6 30 at all so I I looked for replacements and um I started to find, um, I wanted it to be intentional. And so I just started to look up a whole bunch of different things. And the creator in me um, was just like, you know what, how can I allow other people to access this? And um, I spoke to my grandmother about it. I found out that my grandfather actually um, 
I'm Jamaican, so Bushman, and he used to like boil all his stuff. And my grandma, the same thing when COVID happened, because I was living with her at the time, she was making me drink all whole bunch of stuff. Um, lemongrass, buckwheat, like a whole, like just stuff, um, fever grass. And I just started to put them together. And I felt like, you know, there was a reason for me um, having to give up coffee, number one, and um, still being so attached to astrology. And ironically, you know, I think everybody's getting into astrology now. We're entering the age of Aquarius. People are really just like outside of the material stuff and really wanting to know what's real. And yeah. astrology to me is very, very real depending on how you use it though. So my right. sign is <laughs> Capricorn slash Sagittarius. Okay, okay. Right now I uh, might be an Aquarius. Who knows? Uh, fellas, fellas who are joining us, not, not sure what, what, if you guys observe astrology as well, but what's, what's you guys' signs? I feel like Nick and Chopin are waiting for me to kind of jump in on this one. Um, so I'm kind of like a cusp. My entire life I've lived as a Virgo. Um, I'm born mm. on the 23rd of August. But I found out that the birth time my mum gave me was wrong. So I was actually mm. born at 2 o'clock instead of the time she told me, which was like 8 or 10. So I'm actually a Leo. So I'm actually like a cusp between a Virgo and a Leo, but I kind of see myself more in the Virgo side. But I have a lot of cancer in my charts. So I'm a very emotional okay. person um so yeah that's yeah. me that's all me okay okay um i'm a scorpio so yeah like always <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the way it is but um yeah that's me and then shop a um this is a very hey friend hey conversation um I am an Aries, but I don't know what it means or what that means I am or what I'm not. So, yes, I'm an Aries. <laughs> I, just know that, I just know that I share the sign, the same sign as uh, some of my favourite old school divas, hashtag Respecting Legends, uh, Shaka Khan, Aretha Franklin, Diana Ross, where I came with all Aries, that's all I know. <laughs> That. I mean, that. those are the grades. That that it's the first sign of the zodiac for a reason. Um, but I want to disclose, like, <laughs> because a lot of people have. I have a friend, my one of my close friends, Rajiv. He always talks about like how um, he doesn't subscribe to astrology. But I want people to know that you have twelve signs in your chart. So, like you were saying, Eden, like you, my mom's birthday is two days before yours, and she's very Virgo, like also but she would be considered a Leo. Um, and, but someday she's more Leo-like than she is Virgo, but it's really mm. like where the energies are aligned with at the time. So your birthday really doesn't matter. There's people that I've met with my same birthday that are like the complete opposite of me. Mm. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Thank you for that. And, you know, as we got a very mixed bag here and we're all black business owners. So, Zanya, what are some of the, the challenges that you faced in uh, kind of starting up a, a black owned tea business? And as you moved along and, you know, I, I, I saw the positive reviews on, on the website. So people clearly like it. But what, what are some of the obstacles that you've encountered so far? Honestly, the biggest obstacle for me was getting out of my way. 
Like the mm-hmm. biggest obstacle had to be actually just doing it because nobody in my family has done it or has like started a business and that has like, or has had such a huge vision for it and like purpose or like soulful connection to a business. So really remaining um, dedicated to that has to be the biggest thing because it's something that's reoccurring every time I have like a new idea I know that I'm getting that idea from God from the spirit source whatever for a reason and so it doesn't necessarily leave me until I start to implement it so that's the biggest challenge doing everything that I know I have to do okay okay uh fellas did did you have any questions questions for our guest um i'm kind of interested in the whole heritage side of it so i don't know if you can see but i've got the jamaican flag literally right behind me right there um so i'm half i'm half jamaican half um bajan um and like my culture is very important well our culture shout out nick as well um he's half jamaican as well um like our culture is just very very um important to me and as i get older it's kind of made a massive difference to how i identify so as you've kind of um as you kind of delve deeper into Jamaican culture how does it make you feel about your identity and you as an individual I think um well one thing that I've gained a lot more of is awareness mm-hmm. um of of who, our history more so like I was telling a friend of mine like learning about the Moors and their relationship to us is it something that I necessarily learned growing up in school um and then also just the greatness that like we actually come from um so I grew up around like that flag that you have my grandmother would have it and it would be so big and boastful and I was just like what is so why are they so extra but I'm (laughs) realizing that like (laughs) I'm realizing that you know we do come from really great people and everybody's like family lineages is different but in particular um the stuff that they've known and that they've they've so humbly passed down to me I I've used it in this world, this day and age, and it has benefited me tremendously. So I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but- No, it does, it does. That's what led me to the herbs because it's so easy to buy yogi tea or to buy Mm. whatever other tea. And I still do, I'll drink it or whatever, but you know, the intention behind it, like it is just different, you know? Yeah, Yeah. Cooking is is different from buying something out because of the love the intention that's set in it you know the prayers or whatever you gotta do like it's just it feels different <laughs> yeah yeah i get what you mean i get what you mean when it's homegrown it's a ma- it makes a massive difference oh. like most of the time when i walk in the kitchen my dad's got like he's got like the most i don't even know like sometimes i look at it, i'm just like what is that like sea moss is something that he puts in blenders quite a lot like um mm-hmm. lemongrass and like sometimes you just blend something and say drink it and I'll just be like what is it? it'll be like just drink it and I'm like okay cool and you know like you, you never I, really I, know I want to know that was the thing I had to I asked so many questions because I was always mm. told to do and drink all these things and it's like I haven't died yet so what is it like <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that blend is the reason you haven't yet so you gotta keep drinking it yeah so. but it's like you know sometimes I think with our elders they don't like to share you know like sometimes really? we'll shoot out the kitchen or something like that and that's like I want to know because 
I want to be able to help people. And also I've grown up around friends of mine um, that aren't of Caribbean descent or don't have the same heritage, but it's like, they'll come to my house to, to have what my mom has to aid their mm. cold or whatever. So it's like, okay, I want to know too, so that I can pass it down to other people. 100%. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's good. And thank you for serving our community in that way. Thanks. Yeah. yeah it's super okay. important. Um, I just wanted to ask what you've learned, what's been the biggest lesson, because you were talking earlier about jumping and the fear to kind of get started, but what have you actually learned from taking the dive so far? Um, something that I should have known and held my faith in before, which is nothing happens before it's time. Um, yeah. I, it, it, yeah, just that. That's amazing. That's, it's simple, <laughs> but it's amazing because I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is an awesome, awesome conversation. Like I said, everyone, make sure you cop healthy. Uh, we've, we, 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 we've been promoting it all month, but we're going to post her again, post a link for you. Make sure that you embrace the Zodiac within whatever your sign is. Like I said, this tea is very, very good. Um, I can't wait. I'm, I'm probably making another batch after we get off. Zanya, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sponsoring us throughout the month. And don't be afraid to get to know your needle chart. Like that's where it starts. We're on Coaster. Don't worry. I'm on Coaster. <laughs> Pattern app. Yeah, yeah Coaster off. Please go to something else. Coaster. <laughs> whatever <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you again Zanya you're welcome have a good one guys. all right uh with that we're going to transition into our employee of the month segment uh, we want to give a special special love to our guy Tore Ali Shivers clap it up so Tore Ali is a digital marketer and creative strategist who has worked with some of the most influential names in entertainment and some of Fortune 500's biggest brands, including Adidas, Universal, Sony Music Group, Toyota, and Finish Line. Currently, he oversees digital marketing campaigns at Columbia Records and is president of his own New York-based multidisciplinary creative agency, TaxCo. After securing his bachelor's degree at North Carolina A&T State University in Greensboro, Shiver studied abroad in Florence, Italy, and earned a master's in media management from the new school in New York City. The man is talented. The man is capable. He's doing his thing over at Columbia, as, as they are doing in general. So one more time, let's shout out Tore Ali. Now it is time to get into the music. Uh, let us hear the good word, Frank Ocean. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. All right. So we got a special slide deck for you all. As you know, I'm joined with, by the brothers of Don't Alert the Stand. So I'm going to let my guests go first. So Eden, well, what did you bring to play for us, good sir? I'm trying to remember now. It was <laughs> Iman Amari, Energy. Yes. That was who it was. <laughs> so this song holds a very special place in my heart. If you know Iman, he's he mostly produces nowadays, but... He's just amazing. That's the best way I can describe him. And this song came to me through one of my best friends, Shout Khalil. Um, he played this song for me and was just like, listen to it. And honestly, the song is just about good vibes and energy. That's literally the chorus. It's like good vibes and energy. That's all you'll ever need. And um, not to get all personal, but the place I'm at in my life at the moment, 
when it comes to meditation and um, actually just being in a space of spiritual energy, a song like that is just very important to just remember to stay centered and stay grounded. Um, so I definitely recommend it to a lot of people who are kind of going through the motions in this pandemic, um, but also someone who just wants to enjoy good music because like, as I said before, he's just amazing. Like you can, you, you can often tell when someone puts their heart and soul into their music and um, with him from the instrumentation, from like just even the simple lyrics, it's just so beautiful and so climatic is the best way I can describe it. So do take a listen when you can, guys. I would really recommend it. Oh, we're about to listen to it right now. Kieran, <laughs> play it, brother. <laughs> explanation prior like you, you had me hyped for it and it didn't disappoint so so you did your glad thing. i didn't they, disappoint they, 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 they might have to hire you to be their, their spokesperson or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um so nt what you got for us brother oh gosh i feel like it's an acquired taste um after that that was so peaceful and calming as well especially after a long ass week so yeah thanks yeah um mine is from uh, Havaya Mighty, literally got it last night, um, and it's called Obeya. Now, if you don't know what Obeya is, it's in Jamaican culture, it's very spiritual. Um, it's been kind of associated with the law, like in terms of being not allowed. It's a spiritual practice where people kind of believe it comes from the voodoo pocket of like um, wanting good things and affirming that or wanting bad things for someone and affirming that too. Um, yeah, Rastafari's used to hate it as well, but the law kind of associated it with them during a certain period of time. 
But this particular rapper, who is a woman from Toronto, I believe she lives in now, um, she took the concept, I believe she's Jamaican as well, and kind of just um, used it as kind of a spiritual practice of keeping negative, bad energy kind of away from you. So yeah, that is the song. Um, I liked how she interpolated the vocals with the production. And I think she used a lot of kind of popular sayings as well, like in Jamaica too. So I think, yeah, I just liked how authentic it sounded and spoke to spirituality too. Cool, yeah, let's get into it. I praise the most I give thanks. This shit mighty prince, boy. Watch them friend there. Watch them friend there. Watch who you keep closer. Yeah. They'll grow up, they phobia. Some like come with phobia. Hey, they were fried before they smile. Yeah. And they ain't got me just behind. Yeah. They would die before they ride. Yeah. They ain't really on your side. Yeah. Watch them friend there. Watch them friend there. Watch who you keep closer. Yeah. They'll grow up, they phobia. Yeah. Some white come with phobia. Hey, they were fried before they smile. Yeah. Yeah. And they ain't got me just behind. Yeah. They would die before they ride. Yeah. They ain't really on your side. I met him in the booth and know that they said he's in the proof. I see that the energy is loose yeah. and I see the enemy in you. Yeah. But when it's a friend, I see a different picture. I think your identity is you. And when you say you always got me, yeah. I figure you're telling me the truth. Nigga. You see me coming out my doubt yeah, face I and I accelerate without breaks. I feel you really trying to clout chase. I push my liquor down without chase. I might be caught a nigga word. I don't chase, I catch. Nope. I just pre when a nigga move funny so that I don't break my back. Boy, relate, I can't. Nope. I keep it real for my girls. I keep it real for my dogs. <sighs> Bet you don't think I deserve all of the things that I got You see me win and give it side eye You say you happy for me, but deep down inside You probably kill me in a drive-by Watch them friend there. Watch them friend there. Watch who you keep closer. Yeah. They'll blow up, they phobia. Some white come with phobia. Hey, they will fry before they smile. Yeah. And they ain't got me just behind. Yeah. They will die before they ride. Yeah. They ain't really on your side. Yeah. Watch them friend there. Watch them friend there. Watch who you keep closer. Yeah. They'll blow up, they phobia. phobia. Some white come with phobia. Hey, they will fry before they smile. Yeah. And they ain't got me just behind. Yeah. They will die yeah. before they ride. Yeah. They ain't really hey, man. <laughs> that, was, that was energy. I, I love that. I, I kind of got like a Kendrick J.I.D. kind of Smino vibe from it. Um, yeah. Just the, the rapping style, the versatility of it. And like, you know, J.I.D. will murder a beat like that. Um, so I, I love it. I love it. That was that, that was a boost. I'm, I'm about to save that right now. <laughs> um, so awesome, man. Thank you. And of course, so uh, Chope, what would what, you bring, brother? Before I get into mine, I just want to say I want a remix of that song Nick just played with Meribah. I thought that Meribah would kill that song too. I thought that's very much her vibe. Um, love her. Um, so my song selection is not as philosophical or have any historical meaning. It's just a song that I've always loved. And once again, a song that I thought should have got more attention at the time. And it's by the man we were making fun of earlier in the episode, Elijah Blake. Like I said, after the whole Rick Ross debacle, I, like, I was... I remembered all his past mixtapes and EPs and just Lucy's they dropped over the years and a song of his that I always loved is a song called You Are My High and it's produced by the, the Picard brothers and they're two brothers from Paris and they've worked with like uh, Seven Streeter, Chronix, Kalani, Major Lazer, 
Mark Ronson, Yeba, Lucky Day, like some really great producers, by the way. And um, yeah, I don't really know what to say, really. I just think it was just um, a really well-produced song. I really like the drums on here. And I love the vocal arrangement and I love the ad-libs towards the end of the song. And I want, I just feel like if he was given the right packaging and the right push and marketing, this definitely could have been a hit. This came out 2014. This definitely could have been a hit. And I actually think that if it was given to, you know, a Chris Brown or a Trey Songs or a Neo, it would have been a hit for them. And this is on, this was from his EP Free Part One. So yeah. Elijah Blake, you are my high. Hope you guys like it. sleep on him like he's got he's got mad jabs if you do the research he's got yeah. some great songs yeah no i like that so I'm, I'm 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 gonna do my due diligence and dig into his discography as well yeah, yeah, yeah i just gave three three different heaters so hopefully i i can follow up um my selection uh last but certainly not least i brought fubu by solange featuring the dream and bj the chicago kid and this is produced by solange dave longstreth uh, Rostam Batmangleach and Troy Radio Johnson. So let's jump into it. One for us. All my niggas in the whole wide world. All my niggas in the whole wide world. Made the sun and pick it all yours time for us This shit is for us All my niggas let the whole world know Play the song and sing it on your terms for us This shit is for us Don't try to come for us 
niggas got the whole wide world Tell the niggas that it's all our time This us, some shit is for us Some shit is for us When you know you gotta pay the cost Play the game just to play the boss So you're thinking what you gain, you lost But you know you should've taken up intense slide deck a lot of great music i that song that album a seat at the table very mm. very very special to me um I, I i don't revisit the album too often because it's one of those albums that you can appreciate and like you don't have to hear it all the time but every time you listen it's it's an experience and you know she mm. gave us she gave us a classic solange gave us a classic one of the greatest you know, albums 100%. of the last decade. i was actually gonna and, say because you know, I know, you know, this culture likes to call everything a classic after like one year or five days, but that is definitely one album which I can confidently say, even though it's not even a decade old yet, that's definitely, it, it's, it's holding up very well. Very, very, yes. very well. I love, love the album. And I've been blessed to see her twice, see her perform that song. It's, yeah, mm-hmm. she's everything. She's everything. I love her. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you know, you can find the slide deck in the link tree in our Twitter bio and our Instagram bio. So follow us at StayBusyPod. Also, if you have any slides you want to add to the slide deck, you can email us at StayBusyPod at gmail.com. Make sure you join the mailing list. And for our YouTube subscribers, like, comment, share, all that good stuff. We love that. We need that. It's time to get into the the main event the board meeting but before we do that we want to warm these gentlemen up with the game of auto reply so i'm i'm, I'm gonna go through i'm gonna say one word we're gonna cycle through you guys and you're gonna say the first word that comes to mind so we're gonna start with you eden and, and then we'll go to nt and then we'll go to Chopin, and we'll just keep going till till we're done sound good y'all ready yeah yeah let's go all right all right so first word is stan eden I almost got myself in trouble there. <laughs> I almost said a name. Uh, oh, but I have to Beyonce. I had like there was no other name I could think of. Literally, as soon as I heard it, it came to mind. It came to my mind as well. So. Right. Yeah. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Next word is editorial. Oh, complex. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> in sync. Love it, love it. Uh, Chopin, your word is clubhouse. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> clubhouse. Let's call it clubhouse. <laughs> clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eden, your word is publicity. Publicity. Chopin. Publicity by Chopin. Giving flowers to the boy. Hashtag respecting Chopin. Love that. Uh, <laughs> respecting Chopin. <laughs> yes, I love it. Yes, yes, let's do that. NT, your word is Twitter. 
Um, oh gosh. Uh, I guess Donald Trump. Donald Trump was the first thing that came to my mind. So some some negative association there, but hey, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's recent uh, news. It's recent news. So right, right, right. Uh, Chopin, your word is UK. Uh, Tiana Major Nine. She's a great artist in the UK. Check her out, people. Love her. Love her. Truly, yeah. Uh, my my co-host Nick actually put me onto her. She's she's incredible. Um, Eden, your word is R and B. R&B. I don't know why Alicia Keys came to mind straight away. I'm just going to say Alicia it. Keys. I get it. That's my childhood crush right there. That's that. yeah, with the braids. Yeah. yeah. And chocolate with the milk. Oh, Eden, yeah. you and I are in sync today. Yeah. You are. Because I, I, I got my vinyl players arrived today. So I, I now am a vinyl player. Okay. Um, Oh no. And I've, I have like 30 vinyls, which I've just had for the last couple of years. And the first yeah. thing I played was, the first thing I played was Songs in A Minor. How is it? I was I'm, actually surprised. I I'm actually surprised you've just got a vinyl player because you've had so many vinyls for so long. So yeah, now you get well. to play them. <laughs> yes, sir. There we go. Yes, sir. Hey, the timing works out. And NT, last but certainly not least, your word is dat. I don't know why, but family like came to my mind. I don't know why, but yeah. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's mm. cute. <laughs> no, nah, I'm trolling. I'm trolling. I'm trolling. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get into this board meeting now. And actually, you saying family is a really good segue. You know, being here, seeing you guys dynamic, just the, the different jokes you have with each other, just knowing, knowing each other, like, and listening to the podcast, it gives a very family oriented feel. Um, and so I, I want to know how how did you all meet each other, and and what was it that made you decide like well, we're going to start a podcast together? So we have a default person for this answer, so I'm just let them take the will. <laughs> okay, so there's some controversy about the origins of this podcast, is what I'm going to say, and and how certain people oh, got involved it. and oh, all of these different types of things. I'm going to explain from my side. So essentially what happened was Chopin and I met at an event that one of, well, one of my best friends, Alex Reeds, Alex Holmes, he goes by now, sorry, put on, which was the Black Boy Book Club, which was a London book club where men came together and just read books, discussed what happened in it. And um, Chopin and I were debating, I think it was Kanye West and then Miguel versus... It was Kanye West and Anderson Pack. And then it was Miguel versus... um, No, Miguel happened on WhatsApp. We had to be debating oh, okay. WhatsApp, where yeah. you said that um, War and Leisure wasn't a good album. Yeah, it wasn't. But anyway, what? so like, yeah. It, it, we can get yeah. to that later. Get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we just started debating albums and stuff. And um, I was just like, you know what? There's one other person that I'm seeing talk about music on the timeline a lot, which was Nick. And I was like, let's just hit him up. Because me and Nick had had like that's conversations. That's not what happened. <laughs> what do you mean that's not what happened? <laughs> mm. I mean, unless you're skipping, there was, uh, uh, you know, I'll continue. No, no, tell, tell from where I've missed off. What, what did I miss? You initially came to me saying the Star Podcast, and I said no. Oh, okay. Um, then you, like, pushed me for a while. I was still saying no. And then I eventually said yes. And then you were like, oh, who would you be, who should we get for a third person? And we both said Nick. Yeah. That's and what. I, I reached out to Nick, and I said, no, at that point, Chopin was undecided. 
like he was kind of like yes but no but kind of undecided so I reached out to Nick and I was like Nick if I can get Shoppe to be on the podcast would you be on it and then Nick was like oh no I or something along those lines. And then I said to Nick, do you want to be on it? He said, yes, went to Chope and we just recorded our first episode, which was terrible. Then we recorded our next episode and then we recorded an episode in a storage cupboard, which was interesting. Um, but it's been a long journey. It's been over two years now that we've been recording and it's been amazing. Like we've been featured by Complex, by Noisy, by um, The Independent, by quite Westfield. a few... BuzzFeed, like quite a few amazing, amazing um, publications. And we're just grateful for it because this started off as just a debate, really. And we just wanted to talk about music in a way um, that was quite unfiltered because what we what I kind of saw was you couldn't really have an opinion in music online because people stan culture was becoming this thing where if you said something badly about an artist, you would get a face and a kind of a message saying you should die or you don't know what you're talking about or all of these different types of things. And we just wanted to create a space where we could just talk about music openly and freely. And it's just been great so far. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people often warn certain people about going into business or doing something creative with your friends. Like it, 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 can, get, it can get tough sometimes. And you know, you all with all you've accomplished, it seems like you've you're kind of trudging along and then growing alongside one another. So, what's the experience been, especially because it started <laughs> from you guys debating music and then also oh, man. on on stand culture? And like, this is kind of like a two part question. Do you guys consider yourselves stands of of any artist? Can Can I just answer the first question very quickly? Please. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The first question. The answer is a lot of therapy. Like <laughs> we used to beef quite a lot um, over the most minor things looking back now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when you first start something with three people and you've got three different ideas, like I think for me, I always wanted YouTube to be the direction and we kind of had to figure out what worked for three of us. Um, and we just had a few clashes and we had to kind of figure out a rhythm that worked for all of us. Um, so over time, like not, I don't think it's ever gotten to the point where like friendship has ever been threatened or anything like that it's just been like oh I'm so annoyed at this person right now for not really understanding where I'm coming from but um yeah and it's interesting you think of it as a business because I'm I think for me personally I'm still getting to the point of thinking of it like that I just think of it as still a podcast with um two amazing um and very very talented writers so yeah um so the the, the second oh yeah go ahead Antti. oh sorry no <laughs> i was actually putting my vaseline away but what i will say you know we're black we're black but you have to um you know have a lot of patience um and i think you have to realize that it's a group not what you want so with me i've definitely bit my tongue a lot of times and not kind of just held strong for the sake of the group if that makes sense and kind of just like I think there's been times where you've just had to be the kind of mediator like and we've all taken that role in in different times different aspects as well um I would just say to anyone listening thinking of doing something something with a group someone whatever whether it's one person three people five people because I see a lot of group based podcasts right now so definitely 
just consider patient level patients like and patient levels and like tolerance and all of that kind of thing but I think we as Eden and Shope just kind of echoed we've got to a place where it's really open like the dialogue and communication um but yeah I definitely think it's something as you said the business and friendship thing I think people need to take that more seriously and what they go into um especially the communication part is what I'll say because I've seen a lot of things you know not us but a lot of different examples of where communication breakdowns can destroy things and that's in anything whether platonic whether you know romantic whether business like whatever um it can it can destroy things so I think open communication and patience and just knowing it's not what you want it's what three or four or two collective people one is key and thinking of other person's uh, shoes as well and emotional intelligence which a lot of people don't have so that as well <laughs> that's major that is major yeah um and so the second half of my question you know with the podcast focusing on stan culture and not being afraid to critique these greats that a lot of people just blindly stand do you guys consider yourself stands of 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 any artists and and how do you maintain the and health a healthy relationship with uh said artists if if you consider yourself stands of them yeah i would say that um i i would consider myself a stan um of someone who faced controversy last year actually and who i'm still grappling with um his kind of toxic views and that's jake hall like misogynistic mm how he treated no name and in the past like has very questionable comments you know some people have had issues with the homophobia and some stuff as well um uh, I don't think he does what logic does in terms of the, the tragic mulatto tale and all that kind of stuff but um I think he definitely has an has some issues that he's had to work on I think he's been open in some of them he's been open with like Angie Martinez about his misogyny he's been you know, he's taken back comments before in the past as well. I think the no-name incident is just a very big case study in how misogyny is latent and how it can appear in so many different instances that you thought that you had unlearned. And I think in this social climate of unlearning, quote-unquote, it's a lifelong process. So we're always going to make mistakes. There's always going to be little pockets of our brain. Mate, there has been pockets of my brain that have been problematic as hell in the moment. And I've had to be like in that moment, like what is that thought and where is it coming from? And then like business trace backwards to kind of unpack that a bit more. But yeah, um, he's an artist I stand and he's someone who's got a problematic relationship. Miguel, you know, there's been claims over the years. Nothing been proven as yet, but, you know, that's tentative. If things get proven, I'll have to step away like we have with, you know, R. Kelly and other people. Um, whoa, 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 Miguel's doing R. Kelly behaviour? There's been sexual allegations, like, over the years by fans. About and- Miguel? I've never yeah, heard it that. Has, it has. Um, it hasn't reached, like, prominent heights, but there's been, there's been certain claims and stuff like that. I've never yeah. heard that. Wow. Yeah, um, so that's him. But I don't obviously believe it as yet because, like, they haven't (laughs) led to anything. And I think the victims have always, like, retracted statements and stuff. But, yeah, there's that. Um, I think those are the two prominent mainstream acts right now that I could say that, yeah, I probably stand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, How about you, uh, Shoshope? You're going to call me Josh? (laughs) 
no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, oh, you know, I'm definitely a Stan of many, many people, but I just think my interpretation of Stan is different to most. So I'm always saying I'm never going to be in mentions or Instagram comments arguing about chart statistics or who went number one or stuff like that. And I won't be like, so like tweeting random iTunes links under random viral tweets. Like I'm not gonna be doing that. I just have a lot, there's just a lot of artists that I've grown up with or come to in my life that I just like, I just love them. I just yeah. love their music. I love watching them perform. I love listening to them. So yeah, I mean, we I kind of have the reputation as the uncle of the show. So, you know, everyone, everyone knows. I think everyone who listens to the show knows I'm a lamb. Everyone knows that. I'm a lamb, like Mariah Carey is my everything. But outside of her, um, I'm a, I love, in terms of recent news, I'm a D'Angelo stan. I love, 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 love D'Angelo. The best concert of my life was that was D'Angelo. Uh, Janet Jackson, Marvin Gaye, uh, uh, who else? Who else? A Tribe Called Quest. Um, I don't know, yeah. Miguel, I would definitely say I'm a, a Miguel stan. Um, I mean, Eden's waiting for me to say one person, and I will say them. I'm a, I am one of the sensible members of the Beehive. Um, I just enjoy the musical performances and live my life. Um, and she, and even sorry, going on Nick's point, um, yes, there is, I guess, some questionable uh, behaviors that have happened with her in, in recent years. And thankfully, even it's not an excuse, but thankfully, she's not been as problematic as some some other people. But yes, there's definitely been moments which have made me raise my eyebrow. And I've working out on those things. I like that's the thing. Like Eden used to think this, but he's changed now. But he used to think I was one of those fans that I just couldn't see any wrong or anything like that. I've always been like, yeah, I love her, but I will say when bullshit is in the in the circumference of life. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I sound a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people. I just, I just love music. So yeah, music soul chart, another one came to my head. Definitely. I'm an R&B nigga. That's me. Yeah, yeah, there it is. How about you, Eden? For me, I would say, um, Maxwell is someone who I have always kind of yelled about. Um, for me, his music just touches me spiritually. And I just, whenever I'm in a low place, I just listen to either Pretty Wings or kind of just any song by Maxwell, just literally any song by Maxwell. There's something about his presence on a song that just feels like he's he's moving in his purpose and um, it just feels so natural. So I'm not the type of person who would jump at someone if they said, oh, Maxwell isn't good. I'd just be like a bit shocked because he's an amazing artist and you can't. I don't say you can't denounce it. You can't deny his artistry, but you can't deny his his artistry. So um, yeah, Maxwell for me. Okay, okay. Um, I, the, the podcast listeners know. I'm sure NT is, is fully aware of what I stand as well. Big Drake guy, uh, big big black fan, and big division fan. Um, and I, I think which just confused me. Not gonna lie, the division. Not gonna lie. Really? And listening to your show, yes. Wow. Okay. I mean, hey, we we, we can get into that. So, what, what, what are your <laughs> what are your thoughts on them as a, as a duo? Uh, I just feel two things. Uh, I feel like they peaked already musically, mm. and secondly, I feel like they they never really uh, delivered on the potential that was promised to us when they dropped those four initial songs, however many years ago. 
And this isn't to say that there isn't gems on every album because each album, there's definitely been songs that I love and that I go back to. But I just, like when people say like Divisions are mixed with the best album music out and I'm like, no, they're not. They're really not. Like all their albums have been underwhelming to me. All of them have been underwhelming to me. There's there's gems for sure. That Like on this album, this song, this album, that song, for sure. I, the songs are them that I can really love, but I just feel like they've really just not delivered on their potential. And it's such a shame because 985 is such a talented producer and Denny Daly is a hell of a vocalist. And I just, yeah, and I just feel, and I said this on the podcast, actually, I think maybe the problem is that they're too self-contained. I said maybe that they need to branch out working with other producers or, I don't know what the problem is, but like, I remember when they first came out, I, I those like, what was it, Eden will know, The Line, Hallucinations, uh, Too Much, what, were the, what was that other song? When they, too Deep, yeah. Too Deep, and there was yeah. something else. I can't remember. Might have been With Me? Or, or yes. Do It Well. Yes, yeah. yes, With Me. When those four songs came out, I was like, who the hell are these guys? These are, I am here, like, come on. Then the album came, I was like, mm. Mm. <laughs> and the second album came out, I was like, hmm. Aside from a few songs, the last album came out, hmm. Aside from a few songs. So I just feel that, yeah, yeah. But I still, I'm rooting for them. So, you know, maybe the next album will be the one where they like, you know, they finally, because I do think they have it in them. I do right. think it's there because it's not like I'm writing them off like Khalid. Like, I don't, like, I do see a lot for these people, <laughs> for these two. But I just feel like they've still yet to give me that. This is just a great album. Like when I look like a Galan or Lucky Day or Folix, like a lot of other male R&B artists were doing like amazing things. Aaron Ray, like I still feel like the division have given me that one project yet. Okay, I, I, I respect that. I'm 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 one of those stands who can hear that and and totally respect it and. As a stand, I, I have, I've too have wished that they would branch out. Like they've really only got like three other artists that they feature with. They were on Roy Wood's album. They were on um, Drake's album, of course. And there's one more feature that I'm forgetting, but it's, it's really been like contained within, within mm-hmm. OVO and, mm-hmm. and just daily and 1985 working together. And so I thought it was really dope on their last album that they finally brought women in working with Snow Allegra, Chantel May, Summer yes. Walker. Uh, Jesse Reyes, and I, w- I would love to see them do The more, song with Bridget like, Banton was amazing. I love that song. Yes, 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 yes. So, like, I, I, I agree. Like, e- even if I'm a stand, I think their last three albums have been really good. Like, they, there is another level they can hit. And and I and I love that they're both being a bit more present on social media, actually engaging with people. Like, like Daly's always doing IG Lives, playing music for the fans, talking to the women, stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see. And, and, and that's kind of the beauty of R&B is that we don't necessarily expect artists to like to to be perfect like when once they get out there like like r&b lives with us and, and it ages so mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll see what's up with that but kind of to get back to stand culture it's it's crazy like i found a lot of stands drake stands sometimes are so obsessed with him that that, that they think they're drake like they think they know <laughs> what's going on in, in his head Yep. They think that they're OVO insiders, like this, that, and the third. So, so what's been the craziest behavior that you guys have seen from from stands of uh, of a certain artist? <laughs> That's a crazy question. Um, I think I read an article about K-pop stands and 
I think it was the New York Times. Um, and then Han, who came on the show, um, I'll try and find her out before the end of the show, but um, she essentially described, and I read about this process in preparing to like interview her and stuff with the guys, um, that literally they pretended to, well, actually sought jobs as air hostesses and air hosts, um, went to the location of where these people were going to land and like followed them to the hotel and all sorts. And they do this regularly. Like it's a, a specific type of stand within the K-pop fandom. Um, and yeah, just basically essentially stalk the person that they love and idolize. Kind of like paparazzi, but their stands. So yeah, that's the craziest thing. Um, I'm sure Shoppe has beehive stories. It's like crazy things that they do. Mine is actually, mine is actually um, what are Nikki's fans called again? The Barbs. Uh, That's the oh, one. Is it the Barbs? Yeah, the Barbs. So this is actually the craziest story, but it's just the most funny. Like, I really had a good laugh when I saw this. Like, I really laughed. So I, you guys remember last year when Megan Thee Stallion and Doja Cat were battling for number one with Say So yeah. in the Savage Remix. So some Nicki Minaj fan posted a video of themselves in a dark room with like seven laptops, nine iPhones, all on Spotify playing Say So to make sure it got to number one. And I, I died. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like, first of all, where did you get all these devices? <laughs> first of all. And then I was like, so if this goes to number one, what does this do for you? Mm. If this goes to number one, what do, what do you get? Do you get a cut of the streaming check? Do you, is your name to be on billboard? Like, and I just couldn't believe it. And the, yeah. the guy's caption was, you got to make sure say so beat Savage. And I just, and they got like, and I see all the other bars like, yes, go Nikki, fuck Megan, fuck Beyonce. I was like, so it wasn't the craziest, but I just laughed. I had a good laugh in my bed when I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with, with you guys' podcast being focused on staying culture, and as I said, you, you guys aren't afraid to be critical. Like, I remember one episode I listened to, you were talking about Drake around the time he dropped Dark Lane demo tapes, and I was like, damn, like, they're, they're really going in. Like, like, one of you, I believe, said he hasn't made an original Drake album since Thank Me Later, which was, which was like, it was, it was really interesting to think about. Um, but my question is, have, have you guys caught any heat as a podcast for being so vocal about the different critiques you have with, with certain artists? Um, I think individually we have, but not as a podcast. Yeah, not, not yet as a podcast, um, which I hope never happens because I'll probably retire. But um, yeah, <laughs> essentially, um, Normani Stan said that I should <laughs> in the Wow. Yeah, like that happened. Um, yeah, on a random Sunday afternoon when I was talking about Tidal and her charging VIP package prices when she... I don't think she dropped motivation at that point. I think just the, the Black song and the Khalid song were out at that point. So yeah, she was right. doing like a... Oh, and Checklist was out and stuff like that. So like, yeah, so she was doing like a warm-up kind of concert thing and then yeah she was charging vip packages but i later found out that it was a part of the title package not her individually and whatever i said sorry i admitted it but like beneath the tweet or whatever but i was like it's still kind of wild for them to evaluate those like an artist like normani and there were several other newcomers i think um 
Yellow Bone was there too. So I think Normani were doing it. Who's Yellow Bone? What's her name? I actually forgot Danny Lay. Oh, Danny Lay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. The dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her and Normani and a couple other newbies like at the time. So it was kind of like, why are you charging those VIP prices? And then they, you know, one of them just swoops on in and I was like, okay. Normani has stands number one at that time, but obviously Fifth Harmony had stands, so they were probably from there. And then, yeah, so they they get quite crazy on Twitter, I'm sure. Armin, I know you've had an exchange with recently. You've had a couple of celebrity exchanges and then stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's wild out here, man. People really take like critiques of their favorite artists personally, and it's like yeah. it's, it's 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 like you guys said, like, are, are you on their payroll? Are you mm-hmm. getting a check from this? Like, bam! Like, I caught heat from yeah. Chet Hanks as well the other week too. Like. <laughs> Like, I ended up in the Telegraph. I ended up. I was like, "What? What's going on here?" But yeah, like people really on Twitter go go ham. Twitter's Twitter's a platform. Yeah. But yeah, shopping individual yeah. experiences. I've had none because you know I don't tweet. So <laughs> Eden or crazy sad experiences. No, I mean Zayn Malik stands came in my DMs once, and I had to kind of. <laughs> move away from that but i think it's more the the that's twitter account that gets more heat than the actual podcast yeah. like yeah. i think a lot more people like whenever i seem to go into the mentions sometimes i see people like having back and forth with the account but i don't think people really get because i think they know it's coming from a place of critique it's not coming from a place of hate um yeah. which I think is important. Like, it's fine to have an opinion on something, but it doesn't always have to be attacking someone. Um, and I, yeah. and I think we always try to come from a place of remembering people's hu- humanity. Um, like, I don't yes. think we've ever called anyone out, no matter what they've done, I don't think we've ever called anyone, like, disgusting names or kind of attacked them for their individuality. They are humans at the end of the day. So, yeah, I, I think people just recognize that when we talk about these artists. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely can say, like, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, removing ego out of it is something I'm learning to do now as well. Like, a lot, well, it's been a long, long process, but I definitely don't tweet how I did before. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a completely different, like, person because I just realized that it's not worth it. It's not, it's really not worth mm. it. Sometimes online, it's, it's just not worth it. But yeah, yeah sorry, continue. Now, I was I was gonna say like one thing I can say like even if I don't always agree with you guys' opinions, you are very responsible in in how you communicate them, and it never sounds like hate, which I love. And that's the thing about Twitter is like talking about music on there. People just always assume you have the worst intent. They're like, oh, you must hate this person. It's like, yeah, no, like I I don't like their music, but I I don't know them well enough to hate them. It's just yeah. I'm just expressing my opinion. We're not gonna like the same thing, but we should be able to at least talk about it in in in, in a healthy manner. Manner. And that's why we started Stay Busy as well, because we talk, saw a lot of people saying, oh, this is fire. This is trash. I love this person. I hate this person. It's like, well, th- th- there's a deeper purpose in, in music and art. And there's things that we need to focus on more than just being loyal to someone that, that we love. And so I, I love that, like our, our podcasts, even if they're even if they have different themes, like we're kind of still doing the whole responsible thing. But to move away from staying culture, 
Well, what's the culture surrounding podcasts, music podcasts specifically in in London? Did you feel like you've had some some like difficulties building your audience because you do discuss a lot of um, a lot of uh, music from from America and like have you specifically targeted uh, you know having that crossover appeal or trying to appeal to to a certain London market? Like, what's how's it been building you your audience? Um, I, that's something I actually wanted to touch on when I first like heard you speak because obviously you had all these sponsors and like you were talking about so many different things to do with the podcast, your pod, your podcast and everything. And it's very different in London um, and in the UK. Um, I feel like the podcast market is just about like it's just having a, like loads of breakthrough podcasts at the moment um and different discussions now when it comes to the music space i think it's fairly different um because people in the uk like we have a diverse um i think we have a diverse kind of um market when it comes to what people are listening to it isn't always just what's going on in the states um we do talk about things that are going on in um west africa what's going on in south africa what's going on in the west i'm sorry about say west indies in the caribbean um like it's quite a diverse place like we're only just recently tapping into um cultures that don't speak english so obviously we've got um what's it called uh k-pop we've also got um french music so many different genres are now coming to the forefront and so many artists are now being introduced to the uk and i think that's something we're seeing in the us as well um we've got someone called slow tie from over here who's kind of doing it quite big over here and in america i'm seeing he's doing a lot of interviews i saw the needle drop recently um released a, re a review on him um he was recently on like so many different platforms and um it's just it's it's nice to see because we're in a global economy now and i think for our podcast we don't i don't want to speak for all three of us but as far as i understand there isn't really a position that we want to hold when it comes to music culture i think we just want mm -hmm. to talk about music in a way that allows us to express ourselves and recognize um the the blends of culture and also the appreciation of culture as well um so i think to answer your question the uk podcast scene is coming up slowly and when i say uk i want to make sure i include like scotland ireland and also shout to northern ireland as well um because there are some great podcasts that come from there as well so yeah i think it's a it's a time thing we haven't reached sponsorship stage yet like that is something that needs to be worked out because yeah it doesn't really seem to work specifically with black podcasts i haven't heard a lot of them um right. but it's a work in progress i think to add to the answer i think what even actually what one of the things we probably gained from clubhouse um in recent weeks is the modern kind of iteration of the fact of our different business practices and i think in the us you guys are patreon heavy you guys are sponsorship heavy you guys are more forthcoming forthright confident like you guys are a walking talking business and that's because americanism teaches you to be that way i mean there's a whole field of just speakers like in the us like just speakers you could just literally be that that can be your only thing and that's it in the uk we can do that but there's not many of those if that makes sense it's not like a bona fide 
braggadocio kind of economy so in terms of podcasting I think you guys bring that business acumen to that field so well in the fact that I see 10 to 15 podcasts like probably a week that have the Patreon link that have that kind of um, you know even the cash app thing like you guys came on the app with cash app then the UK followed on after and was like let me get a cash app and on that you guys are just built to have that and I think that's for a multitude of purposes one of them is survival you know if you go to hospital you got to worry about that bill for another five six years or whatever depending on your insurance so some of you raise the gofundmes before you even go some of you raise the gofundmes for this some of you raise the gofundmes for that so you guys are just very someone i follow called simi she's always giving links to various you know causes that are going on to to kind of donate and share share money to a mutual aid and stuff like that i think you guys bring that approach so seamlessly into podcasting and whatever you're doing. And I'm not saying monetize your hobby because some people are not doing this for monetary value, but for the ones that are, um, I think it's harder because number one, Black Brits are such a small percentage of the total country and countries that make up the UK. And number two, we just don't have that that forthright business acumen in large droves like the US seems to have I'm not going to say it completely does but seems to have and you can validate that for me after but um I also think when it comes to black business over here um corporations and um of the like are still finding their feet in to sponsor us and like to to invest in that space as a whole and if they do give a deal it's to the one or two or three that are like the shining lights and they don't invest in the ones coming up if that makes sense and this isn't coming from an ego thing because I can leave this thing tomorrow and I'm good like you know what I mean and all of us we can leave this thing tomorrow and we're good so it's not our livelihood for all three of us so we it's not an ego thing it's just a observation and having real conversations with my peers number one and seeing how businesses treated us in the past as well I mean even Joe Budden like you know for better or worse however you feel about him he spoke about how black podcasters as a whole Spotify didn't understand them for example or his his uh, Spotify subsidiary in the United States didn't understand him in New York uh, and we face that across the board in the UK like the cultural mix of black Britishness with you know our various immigrant statuses and where we come from so they just don't understand that and they don't take the opportunity to listen to ideas we have at the table Eden spoke about a marketing marketing and like um, sponsorships and stuff they wouldn't even understand the types of sponsorships that would work for some black podcasts versus others um so wouldn't do those intricate clever kind of promotional tools to see if we actually work in our suggested markets you know they don't analyze our data like they would some of the bigger you know for lack of a better word the white kind of podcasters um across the country as well and i just think um, uk business and culture they just don't have that tenacity and flair as much as like other markets and not just the us you know i've seen things in germany i've seen things in latin america that work you know and it's like i just don't think that that tenacity and creativity is yet tapped into over here i think we're heading there you know things that youtube i see doing amazon you know music are doing with the podcast integration and stuff great so i can't wait to see what happens in the next decade but right now we're just not there yet at all 
That was very detailed. Thank you for that. Um, so I, I remember when you guys, you know, promoted that you were a top 50 Apple podcast for music in the UK. I was I was hyped first because, you know, I, me and me and NT had spoken a little bit. Um, me and Chopin connected around when I put out my, my, my Brett Fires article. And, you know, I, I just had genuine love for y'all and what y'all were doing. So I saw it and I, I was inspired. I was like, okay, this has got me fired up. Like, we're about to take stay busy to these levels. But for you guys, one, how did it feel to see that? And, you know, my second question is, I think a lot of people would read your bio, see that and think like, that's your, that's your crowning moment. That's like all you care about. But I'm, I'm sure it's deeper for that for you, deeper than that for you all as creators. So my second question is, how, how do you measure success with the podcast? Um, I think to answer that, we actually found out by accident. And I think we were number, <laughs> am I right in saying we were number 23 or something? I believe that's correct. Yes. Yeah, I, top 25. <laughs> yeah, so we were number 23. Um, and we found out because there was this new thing that came out called Chartable. And it's this thing in the UK. I don't know if it's in the US as well, but it tells you your podcast position or the highest place that your podcast is charted. And like, we're in a group chat of loads of podcasters and someone just threw it in there. And I was just like, you know, what? let's just check it out just on a whim. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, Oh, we were number 23 in like the UK for music. And I was like, raw, okay. Um, I think in terms of crowning achievements, I, I am eternally grateful for the fact that people enjoy our podcast and um, spread it and, and kind of talk about how our conversations have um, made them reflect on certain things. Um, with regards to the height or the, the kind of place we want to be or what, where the achievement is, um, I feel like it's different for all three of us. Um, I feel like for me individually, this is going to sound like such a pretentious answer, but as I get older, the less I really care about um, a lot of the kind of awards, awards and kind of um, getting invited onto TV shows and all those types of things. For me, I love being a very kind of low key type of person. And I've kind of taken that to my everyday life now. Like I'm not on social media um, and I've kind of just taken a step back because I kind of want to focus on where I want my life to be. Um, so in terms of success, I just really want people to continue enjoying the podcast. Um, I would love to, um, have some great guests and some great conversations about music. Um, we want to explore, um, kind of areas within music bar outside of like the everyday conversation. Um, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but we are trying to have a conversation around music therapy and kind of how that helps mm. people. Um, so we're trying to figure out how to have that conversation and what to ask. Um, but yeah, it's just, we're just trying to be as, in, as, um, as aware of ourselves as possible as a podcast. Like we're not three perfect people that are going to talk about music in the perfect way or engage with music in the best way possible. Some of our opinions are trash. Some of them are um, to some people, obviously. And some people love what we talk about, but it's never taken personally. And I think Nick has said something very important a few times, ego, like we need to step back from our ego. And once we realize that nothing really affects you as much and you don't really search for the recognition. So, yeah. Love that. Love that. Uh, um, how about you, Chopin? Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's kind of, um, how do I phrase it? I guess like, I guess, well, mainly like the interaction on Twitter, like when people like 
tweet us things or send us things for they want to know our opinions on things or they say that they're now a fan of this person or they didn't know this album was good until they listened to us so like so my personal experience of this well it's actually in person actually so three almost three years ago i went to see serpent with feet in concert and after the show ended i went to the toilet you know whatever and this guy was just staring at me and i was like okay and then he came up to me eventually he's like are you sure pet i'm like yeah he's like you don't like the stands i'm like yeah he's like oh i love your show and then that was already just like wow but then like i said we were at a serpent with feet concert he said that he had never heard of him until i spoke about him on the show he said i'm at this show because of you i never was a fan oh, of his wow. music until i listened to your show and now i'm here so i was just like wow wow that, that was like a for me that was that's my success yeah yeah that sounds great i think that's happened to us before as well i think we went to this party and someone tapped me and was just like oh i love don't let the stands and i was just like oh wow okay that's really cool i didn't <laughs> i didn't really expect to receive that type of recognition but it's always nice to hear it is quite daunting though i can't lie i don't like attention so getting tapped like that and someone saying that scared the hell out of me but yeah how about you nt oh gosh like i think that's such a big question i think it changes all the time um i definitely think for the podcast like success and stuff looks like you know just with the podcast that i listen to i always leave them learning something so if someone like leaves the podcast learning something or appreciating an interview or appreciating mm. something perspective that um has kind of been shared on the podcast I think is a, de- a definer of success I know what some of the podcasts that I listen to do for me I just really would love that the same f- uh feeling given to the fans who or listeners hate that shit like hierarchy mm-hmm. but listeners who um tune in every week or every other week or every season however however often it is I hope it touches people in in some way shape or form emotionally um and mentally as well I hope it connects on those two levels as well all the materialist stuff like it will come and go like it it, it can it can be here tomorrow gone if, as long as I touch one person like in terms of um them getting something from the podcast whether it's from each of us or individually or whatever like that's the job done um because I know how that makes me feel like when I'm traveling and when I need that boost and when I need those 30 minutes or an hour or whatever and I'm like wow like I feel so refreshed after listening to that conversation especially during a pandemic as well um so yeah and shout out to what you guys are doing as well because I've listened to some of your episodes and I think you probably provide a similar if not um even more awakened feeling of that so yeah 100 percent. i agree i second that thank you thank you thank you really appreciate that man us, us black podcasts where we we, we we gotta stick together we gotta we gotta we're, we're the voice of our culture there's a lot of people a lot of different people outside of the culture who try to who try to speak about what we do and dictate it and they, they, they don't do it the way we do. So just shout out to y'all for being so open, so vulnerable for answering our questions. Really, really great conversation. We want to get into the bulletin board. Shout out some black businesses. Do you guys have any black businesses, whether, you know, on in, in London or out here that you really love and you want to shout out? Uh, what I'll do is I'll shout out some podcasts and also um, one business. So there is the 
Time to Talk podcast with Alex Holmes. There is the, sorry, there's so many off the top of my head. Uh, Table for Three. Um, there is also the Ryan Nile podcast. There is the Shopee Give Omar's podcast again. Culture Made of Algorithms. Yeah, Culture Made of um, Algorithms. Um, I'd also say check out um, Yellow Cup podcast, This Is We podcast, which is a This Is Us reaction show. And also, uh, in terms of a business, check out something called Sister Woman. It's a it's a West Indian um, vegan yes. restaurant, yes. but also yes. um, it talks about culture and um, well-being. And it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. Check it, check it out. Sister Woman. That's it. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Chope uh, or NT? Um, so I actually was I actually did like have a business in mind. So I but I want to also you know uplift our fellow Black British podcasters. So I'm gonna shout out the Twos Twos podcast. I'm gonna shout out uh, who's another one that I love Over the Bridge podcast, the Rhymes Like Dimes podcast, Season Sessions. Um, uh, let me look at my Spotify. You didn't have said quite a few already, but yeah, I'll leave it at those for now. Check all the of Nerd Council. Out. Yes, yes. Definitely check out the Nerd Council. Definitely check them out. Um, and yeah, my black business. It's um, uh, they're based in the UK. It's a um a black owned bookstore, online bookstore called Afori Books of Black Origin, and they specialize in books from all over the, the black diaspora. So, uh, the Caribbean, Africa, African Americans. Yeah. So, I highly recommend it. I bought a book from the Santeria. So yeah, if you want your books, go to in or well, if you are in the UK and you want some good black books, a for your books. Uh just we forgot two podcasts very quickly. So uh Marquis Devon has a podcast called The Rational Anger and he also has DRDG. So he's actually from America, he's from um Reading, but currently living in um Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. So shout out to him as well. How about you, NT? Oh, um, I'm going to shout out the Glow Pot. Um, they do great skincare. Um, it's, yeah, it's a great business. I think started in London. I'm going to shout out a cause which is very pertinent to back home, which is Abortion JA. There is huge abortion issues in um, Jamaica right now. So I'm going to shout out that account, which acts as a business and also a um, action group. So they are giving information across social media about that cause. And I'm going to shout out a person who is a business as well um she creates websites as well as doing incredible journalism shireen taylor love her she just got her debut on the new york times um this today about carnivore liberation so i'm so proud of her um and i think the work that she does both on and off the ground um in jamaica is great so yeah just wanted to shout her out too all right well plenty of podcasts for y'all to check out listeners make sure y'all tap in Couple shout outs from us. Uh, we got the Still Black video coming soon from Jacques Lane. Uh, as you all know, our fraternity brother, we played him, uh, played him a couple months ago as one of our slides. Jacques Lane featuring Giles, that's coming soon. Video that just released, Black as Fuck. This is Indigo Vaughn featuring Jesus Shuttlesworth. That is uh, Nick, my co host cousin. Um, so shout out to him. Uh, Alex from the Need to Know podcast, AKA Screen Man from the Joe Button podcast. Uh, every Friday, he drops all the new music releases on his Twitter. Uh, so make sure to follow him at Ball Till We Fall. And last but not least, we got 
Artists Untold. This is by Jordan Abdur uh, Rauf, uh, special to me because he's a fellow Cornell grad. And Artists Untold LLC is a black owned online retail platform that provides up and coming black and underrepresented artists with the opportunity to promote and monetize their artwork through apparel and fine art sales. Creating art is expensive enough, so they provide their platform at no cost. They pay for web hosting, apparel, shipping, advertising, model shoots, product testing, and more. They have contracts with each artist that allow them to use their work while providing a profit split that is capped at 50%. This means artists retain complete ownership of their art and results in monthly income for each of their partners. Being a black owned business, they wanna support their community as much as possible. So they take this into consideration when hiring photographers, marketing agencies, accountants, and models. It's important that Artists Untold benefits more than just, uh, it, it's important that Artists Untold benefits more than just the artists. Artists Untold partners with One Tree Planning to help reduce their carbon footprint and create a sustainable shopping experience for their consumers and the world that we all live in. They donate one tree for every item that is sold and five trees for every recycled product that is purchased. The focus is on rebuilding animal habitat, restoring soil, and critical watersheds, all while improving the lives of the communities who rely on the forest the most. Their planning partners promote agroforestry and educate farmers on the benefits of improved forestry practices, providing communities with sustainable sources of food, wood, and income. Very, very diverse, versatile brand there. So shout out to Artists Untold. Shout out to all the Black businesses doing, doing their thing. I want to thank you all one more time, uh, the brothers of Don't Alert the Stands, NT, Chopin, and Eden for joining me. Had a really, really great time with y'all. Thank you for the opinions, even, even if we disagree and, and Eden doesn't like Brent Fias, which is still crazy to me. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> We're going to have to talk more about that. <laughs> but keep doing what you guys are doing. I, I wish you all much success. I, I can't wait for the show to, to come back. Um, shout out to the listeners tuning in. Shout out to my co-host, Nick, in his absence. It's the boy, Armand, and we want y'all to stay safe, stay humble, stay black, and stay busy. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy, taking time, getting right if you miss